spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99, plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in. DC on screen episode 193 in case you're counting I am as always except when I'm not your host David C. Robertson this is my co-host Jason Goss howdy how you doing this week Jason no, you doing all right buddy I'm hanging in there hanging yeah in there. you got a new car I did you got a new dog I got a new dog in a car <laughs> screwed up wow one's probably gonna destroy not... the other in some capacity I didn't have the same that same kind of a week my week was not so full. It was not so robust, as they say. It was really just a, a frantic sprint during the weekend. Right. About about all I've got on tap is, like, Wednesday I'm going to play Pokemon Go with my girlfriend. Mm. Have you ever tried it? I never have. No. No. I was told, though. I, it was, what's cool about it is it kind of, like, apparently maps out your location mm-hmm. on the game. Mm-hmm. Which I'm, of course, thinking, like, in conjunction with, like, GPS and stuff, with satellites and... Man, they could actually make a video game where it was just like, you just pick the cars and your racetrack is like the area where you live. That'd be fun. But for now, you run around finding Pokemon in your area. And it's pretty cool. Uh, A girl from work was showing me this thing. And it actually looked like the Pokemon was like sitting on like the floor. And then she caught it. Hmm. But anyway, Bethany wants to play it. I saw someone do that this weekend too. It's apparently just very popular or we live in a weird pocket of time. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I i've never heard of that before in my life either and i was shown that yeah i was shown that too yeah. and um yeah that's true enough she like i i saw the girl realize that she was at a like we were at a, a party saturday night and i saw the girl realize that she was in a new environment and whipped out her phone quickly and started looking around and oh, got one. went back uh-huh uh-huh wow yeah um shouldn't have to use gas mileage to f- play a, a game on your phone well that's the thing i've seen i've seen some uh some memes out there where it's like angry looking michelle obama and it's like when you realize that your health initiatives didn't work in a video game got people to go outside and play <laughs> you're behind the times michelle <laughs> we have ah, fictional characters on our phone your antiquated really triangles of food and exercise and uh at the girl at work i was i was looking at her phone as she was playing it and what it seemed like what it felt like, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, was that her phone was some sort of uh, interdimensional scanner. <laughs> because I'm looking at the place where she's pointing the phone, and I see nothing. But on the phone, there's a creature. <laughs> a creature with a shadow. <laughs> it's disturbing uh, in some ways. Uh, I, I kind of wish you had the energy to grab a nearby blunt object and start smashing at the area she was pointing at. 
must be destroyed. Oh, man. <laughs> so before we get into the news, I do want to let everyone know that we did indeed record a crossover with the Suicide Squad cast. Uh, it was a two-part review of the Critical Smash of 1997, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember oh. how many awards that movie won. Oh, um, it was Uncharted. <laughs> now, people always mix these up, so yourself included. So I'm going to go ahead and say this is the one with George Clooney uh-huh. and Uma Thurman mm-hmm. and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Uh, part one of our review will be on the Suicide Squad cast. So you guys have to go over there to check that out or just go to our feed and, I don't know, click on the link uh, <laughs> to their show. Part two will be on our feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are looking to drop it Tuesday, July 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If it's past that date and time at the time that you're listening to this, my guess is it's already been uploaded and waiting on your eager ears. Uh-huh. Speaking of crossover events, on the 16th of this month, we'll be recording an Arrow Season 5 predictions episode for the Next Time Podcast with Scott Madison. And then Scott Madison's going to be coming over to our show, and we're going to do a review of Superman 4 The Quest for Peace, because I know some of you cats wanted that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's happening, and it's going to be an, that is going to be an episode of DC on screen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when those are going to drop, but probably pretty soon after we record it, honestly. And then, on July 25th, after the theatrical release of Batman The Killing Joke, we'll be recording a review of the film with Scott of the Suicide Squad cast. And as I understand it, our uh, friend slash oldest fan, Christopher White, and probably my girlfriend Bethany and my sister Brittany. But, you know, they're being kind of iffy and saying, I don't know if I'll say much. So, we're oh, both doing that. bring so. it, ladies. Do it. It will prove that we know women. <laughs> Can't, you can't have wedding can't pictures to prove, prove such things. things. So far. Photoshop's great these days, man. It is. It is. So is voice modulation. See? <laughs> Damn it. You're right. The picture's actually better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, on, on the internet, people are still saying Pixar didn't happen. So. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of crossover stuff happening on the show this month. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Not Can't having so much TV. You know, we're able to stretch our legs and go out and find people to play with and Pokemons, I guess. <laughs> Pokemons, and uh, I don't know. I've been playing this thing called Hungry Shark World. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> You're like a big cartoon, a big goofy cartoon shark that's like running, going through the ocean. You can like jump up on, onto the sand and eat people and stuff. It's pretty fantastic, of honestly. You can. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, uh, one more thing before we get to the news, we are sponsored by Loot Crate. Uh, Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that is it. You are done. Make sure you head over to LootCrate.com forward slash GiantSizeTeamUp and enter the code GiantSizeTeamUp to save $3 off any new subscription. This, uh... This month is uh, futuristic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is it? <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah. No, you, you you figured it out. You got there. I did? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. You got like Futurama stuff. You got Star Trek stuff. It's pretty It's pretty dope. Some Rick and Morty. I think Metroid. Yeah. Ooh, um, Mega Man. Yeah. Valiant Comics. Star Trek. Did I say Star Trek? Because Star, Star Trek. Trek. Star Trek. Anyway, guys. Um, yeah, do that. So, on to news. 
and uh, of course the first one. I don't. I never know when to do sad news. Oh, yeah. um, okay. So I, you know, I'm gonna do it up front. Uh, Noel Neal passed away mm-hmm. on the third of this month. She was 95 years old. So I guess it's not altogether that sad because she lived like a really huge, a full stretch. life yeah. and stuff. Um, she was in over a hundred films, but, um, the reason we're talking about her is because she was the very first Lois Lane mm-hmm. and most probably my favorite Lois Lane. <laughs> most, most definitely my favorite Lois Lane that was in live action. Yeah. Um, she was Lois Lane in Superman of the 1948 serial. Then again in Adam Man versus Superman. Then when uh, when the Adventures of Superman came out in 1951, Phyllis Coates played her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fade Lo- played Lois in the first season, but then had other commitments. So Noel Neal took back the role for the rest of that show. Um, so she was also Lois Lane in. I mean, sorry, she was Lois's mother, Ella Lane. In the 1978 Superman with Christopher Reeve, she was on the train, and her dad was played by Kirk Allen. Lois's dad was played by Kirk Allen hmm. from the uh, old Superman advent. Uh, sorry, sorry, the old Superman serials. That's a nice. He touch. was Sam Lane. Um, <laughs> so Phyllis Coates later on, interestingly enough, played Ella Ro- Ella Lane after um, Noel Neal in Lois and Clark. The New Adventures of Superman, and then Terry Hatcher, who was Lois on that, played Ella Lane on Smallville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, Noel Neal. She was also uh, uh, Alexis on Superboy in 1991 in the episode Paranoia. Uh, she was Lex Luthor's dying elderly wife Gertrude Vanderworth in Superman Returns. She has she's had a great deal to do with with all things Lois Lane and and Superman. She's just done a yeah. ton. So, uh, that, that is prolific. It is. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, look at so that. Anyway. I, I just looked it up though. She's got a, she has a book, uh, truth, justice mm-hmm. in the American way, the life mm-hmm. and times of Noel Neal, the original Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually she was actually a reporter. She had written articles and stuff. Oh, cool. So she knew the beat. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, her her dad was like a newspaper man, and her mom was in vaudeville, so she was kind of torn between two worlds. Oh, that wound is... Playing, that is... Uh, wound up doing both, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then now the news is vaudeville, so, you know, it all, all came together. Circle. Yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't have had to choose these uh, days. Oh, I'll just yeah. write clickbait. Cool. Gotcha. <laughs> so, uh, guess what Hans Zimmer almost did? Give away everything. He almost spoiled Batman v Superman. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, did you read this on January 2014, guys? 2014, he was on a Ask Me Anything on Reddit. They <laughs> they asked him what his most embarrassing moment in life was. He says the most embarrassing moment of my professional life was when I was in a script meeting and I hadn't read the script and I kept talking about how the two heroes are going to ride off into the sunset, describing the glorious music and great scene. Uh, at the end, and how beautiful it was going to be. Uh, then the producer said, "You haven't read the script, have you?" I said, "Yes, I have." He said, "One of them dies." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Hen Zimmer. Can I keep the job? I'm going to keep the job. You just let me know, right? I mean, I guess I'll um, read it. <laughs> just I use my glorious music on some other film. I wish I could have seen his face when they were like, one of the heroes dies. Uh, oh. Right. Uh, what? <laughs> so a uh, 
you remember a few actually i think it was last year it was uh same guy mr sunday movies on youtube released uh how many how many times batman had killed in the in the batman movies from the adam west movies through the christopher nolan movies yeah um batman had killed 45 times in those movies quite the tally he well, he tabulated all the kills that Batman had in Batman v Superman, and it comes to 21. <laughs> so you're saying <laughs> Batfleck is just more efficient? <laughs> this is um, this is also d- the um, the oldest portrayal of, of Batman as far as age within the, the context of the mm-hmm. film, right? So <laughs> yeah, this, so. yeah, this is the least amount of fucks that Batman has ever given on film. Right, right. I don't know. George Clooney's Batman might have been pretty old. Yeah. He seemed he seemed oldish. I don't know. It feels like he had crow's feet at eighteen, but they always worked for him, you know. Right. <laughs> so, um, there is a uh, there is a Battle of Metropolis scene that is circulating the interwebs. It's pretty interesting. It uh, someone put together uh, b- the BVS and Man of Steel Metropolis fight sequences. Mm-hmm. And edited them get together. They're actually pretty damn close. Like they are. It looks like one big movie. Yeah. No. I mean, they. I thought they had it right when I was watching it originally. Mm-hmm. I mean, they actually interspersed it with like scenes from Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Like here's Superman fighting Zod, and there's Bruce Wayne on the ground running. Mm-hmm. It was. It was awesome. Uh, here's so good Zod job, filmmakers freaking out with his laser eyes. Here's Jack praying one more time. Yeah. Yeah. One last time. <laughs> Jack, get out of there! I don't, know, I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's like a Tuesday. We get a whole work, whole work week. <laughs> Not until you give the word, boss. <laughs> he so, must have uh, awesome benefits at Wayne Tech, man. <laughs> or Wayne Financial? That was a Wayne Financial, right? Yeah, that was Wayne Financial. Yeah, yeah. that's loyalty, folks. Yeah, that's loyalty. So, um, <laughs> let me tell you, they man, released... if there's an inch of snow on the ground, my ass is already asking the boss if I can go home. I'm, I'm not hanging out yeah. for an apocalypse. Yeah, there's an inch of snow on the ground. <laughs> well, they uh, they released a uh, poster thing on the internet. It's a one month to go before Suicide Squad poster. Mm-hmm. It says one month on it, and there's Harley Quinn on it. I don't know. I, I, I think I might be the first man in the world to run out of ways to excitedly talk about a half-naked Harley Quinn. <laughs> but here, here we are, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've we've been pretty uh, inundated with Suicide Squad hype recently. I think I I may be, I think I may be fully hyped. Uh, I think that's yeah. the lowest amount of like excitement I can have in my voice when I say that. But you'll have to believe in my heart that it's true. Right. I I want to well, say we've got film. a lot of Suicide Squad news. We yeah, have a like lot you of didn't have to give news. me a half naked Margot Margot Robbie. You just you know just just say one month to go and the word Suicide Squad on it, and I'll go <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, yep. There's there's Harley with her coochie cutters and her bat. Yep, that's what I've come to expect. That's the it's the, the outfit Margot will be getting out of if at all possible next film. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there was an, a huge uh, Entertainment Weekly article about the Suicide Squad. Um, I have not picked up the issue myself. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to do that yet. Mm-mm. But uh, I found a whole bunch of articles about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so first up, David Ayer is talking about the pressures on Suicide Squad. He says, two years ago, Suicide Squad was a tertiary 
DC property. No one knew anything about it. It was a cool little playground, and I was going to go make my movie. Now it's like the hype bus. All of the attention <laughs> has swung onto it and has to carry a lot more weight than it was ever intended to. Mm-hmm. I think it can sustain it, but it's a lot of pressure. Aww. You definitely feel the pressure. <laughs> uh, that poor kid's not even sleeping at nights anymore, is he? I get the feeling, no. Um, now, EW did actually have new plot details. Um, it says, Suicide Squad, out August 5th, takes place in a post-Superman world following the events of Dawn of Justice as the government grapples with how to respond the next time an alien visits Earth with less noble intentions than the Man of Steel. The answer, according to ruthless intelligent officer Amanda Waller, is to recruit society's most vile criminals armed with lethal skills and superhuman powers. Her first target is possessed archaeologist June Moon, or Enchantress, uh, Waller's program doesn't get a green light, though, until Midway City is threatened by a powerful mystical enemy. They don't tell you who. Nope. And Waller needs <laughs> Waller needs to activate the whole squad of prisoners. The baddies get a break. Uh, Deadshot has his Second Amendment rights reinstated. Harley is carefully excised from her birdcage. Diablo is released from his own fireproof fortress of solitude. Boomerang and Slipknot strap their weapons back on. And Killer Croc is popped from his swamp. The one condition for their restricted freedom, obey orders or die, a rule strictly enforced by squad leader Rick Flagg, his samurai katana, and the explosive devices inserted into their necks courtesy of Wayne Enterprises. Oh, isn't that part nice? Yeah. Throwing a wrench into all these plans is the tatted Gotham City arch-criminal The Joker and his laser-like plan to reunite with his true love, Harley. Mission be damned. <laughs> but a funny thing happens while these scumbags try to become heroes they each must absolve themselves of their crimes even if society won't and that's where it gets interesting a layer of humanity and sadness resides underneath these character stories as they each grapple with whether they can be redeemed well, there you go right. I mean, right? there's a couple of yeah, they fleshed out a little bit of what we kind of knew anyway yeah a little bit of fleshing out yeah. like, I mean we we honestly didn't know some of that you know before so yeah so um there is a huge huge uh collider article by adam chitwood and he's talking to to uh david ayer and um man it's so big i didn't go into all of it and i'm not going to you guys can look it up i'm going to throw some through some some uh highlights though here um david ayer talks about uh how he would prefer working on film he talks about how it uh is kinder on faces and kinder on makeup um huh. gives it a more natural look as opposed to uh digital which shows every pore so he is working on film um huh. he he does he talks about working with uh jared leto as he has been talking about working with jared leto all this time like oh he's you know method and crazy and etc cetera, etc cetera. it's kind of uh you know the same same stuff we've been getting by the way i um, i went to throw away a bunch of old cds the other day found a 30 seconds uh-huh. from our cd <laughs> just laugh fun um, there was a question, uh, that he answers about how faithful it is to the comic books. He says it's going to be kind of a mashup of the Ostrander run and new 52 because he liked a lot of the classic stories and a lot, a lot of the classic dynamic, but the, he likes the insanity of new, of the new 52, um, suicide squad, uh, specifically with Diablo and Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, he does admit that Argus is a factor. He's actually said that now. Um, this was interesting. He was at, he said uh, or he was asked. Uh, you tell us about the purpose of Batman. Can you tell us about the purpose of Batman in the film? Was that something that you always wanted, uh, or was that a studio mandate? 
what's your spin on Batman? He says, look, you apply at a job for a DC Comics movie, and it's like, come on, let me get the toys, please. Let me get the cool stuff. I begged for that. There was really, really something, uh, that was really something I wanted. There's a lot of information out there, a lot of false information about how these characters play into the A plot. It's an incredibly complex story with flashbacks and different convergent storylines and things like that. I will say uh, this at the same time, and I probably shouldn't, is all the Batman movies have been from Batman's point of view. He's the good guy. He's the hero of his own movie and all the movies we've seen. If you look at what Bruce Wayne has done in creating the Batman persona, his idea was to terrorize criminals. It's sort of psychological warfare against criminals. This wraith that comes in the night and attacks and pulls criminals from society. For the first time, we're seeing Batman from the point of view of the criminals, and he's freaking scary. Oh. Right? Oh. That that sounds amazing. Uh-huh. I, I I I want more. Yeah, yeah. I want to see this like yeah. now. Yeah. Um. He was asked, "Were there any characters from this world that were maybe right on the paths for making it into the film, but you didn't get a chance to play with this time, or some that you might be interested in following up with in any potential sequels?" He says, "I'm scared to answer that because this is anticipated to be some <laughs> sort of the cornerstone of more things to come, and there's other folks that we're going to see come and go in and out of these films." So yes, the short answer. Ayer also talks about Enchantress. He says, I will keep it also intentionally vague. She leaves a large shadow across the scope of this film. Shots to the balls over the course of it. I always imagined her as, if you look at her origin, she emerges from this cavern, this cave. I imagine her as this, like, almost like this Paleolithic goddess who was at one point sort of worshipped by primitive man. Again, it's another character who has her own past and her own history. Her storyline and her evolution as a character figures very importantly into this construct. I don't want to get more into her. Okay. Um, on the nature of... Hmm? I mean, I, I like his vision of a lot of these people, though. Yeah. Um, he was asked, the nature of the Joker, then are there going to be human elements to him? We heard the word devil thrown around a bit a little bit or supernatural or something. What, what can you say about this sort of presence and function and also sort of this bond with Harley? Ayer says, Oh, it's a fantastic relationship. The Joker, the more plausible the Joker can be, the more well-rounded as a person, the more accurate his psychology can be. I think the scarier he becomes as a character. He represents all these characters are powerful because they represent mythologies. They're almost like Greek gods right out of Pantheon. I think that's what attracts people to superhero movies. It's like the first Comic-Con was ancient Greece, and people would dress up as their favorite Greek gods and celebrate stuff. So there's something very primal <laughs> and ancient about that. You simply have to look at what the Joker represents as a force of na- uh, sorry, as a force of chaos. Even as a criminal and an organizer in the criminal world, he's still chaotic, which Chris Nolan tapped into in a great way in The Dark Knight. But without getting too much into that, their relationship is dysfunctional. It's very accurate to the source material, and that's something that Harley has to deal with and grow. And how does she empower herself? What does she? What, what does he mean to her? What does he mean to us? It's all rather complex, and I think rather honest how we're dealing with it. It really does sound to me like he has mad love on his bookshelf somewhere, which I appreciate. It does. It does. Um, Brings great faith. <laughs> absolutely um he said now it sounds or sorry you said it was mostly an ensemble is there a character or characters that are the center that the rest revolve around and Ayer said i think it's really will's movie in a lot of ways he's kind of built it around him and his journey his character journey is a fantastic way to move the audience through this part of what i do as a filmmaker is find the film's viewpoint and he's a fantastic way to tell a story cool 
they say, I know there's a lot of ground to cover in this movie. One of the connections or relationships no one has really mentioned or talked about is that Deadshot's the Batman's villain. Uh, because Deadshot was a Batman villain, he was a Batman villain before Suicide Squad. Do you touch on that in this movie? He says, all of the above. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, are you purposefully secluding Jared Leto from the rest of the cast? Ayer says, absolutely. I think... Uh, I think any director, for me, there's always a bit of social engineering that happens. I treat every actor differently, sort of according to their needs. With Jared, when he shows up, he's very much kept in isolation, and then he shows up and you really feel the energy change. He's scary. He's a scary dude. He's in character. I mean, he's knocking it out of the park. He'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. What he's doing is really powerful. They asked, how how much does the fact that Jared Leto is a literal rock star influence his take (laughs) on the Joker? Because just look at some of his photos. There was the one hanging on the wall, and he's sneering, and I'm like, oh my god, he's Billy Idol. (laughs) And Ayer says, I just think it's a sense of he understands how to drive a crowd, and that there's just something very, very real and very honest about having that ability, and he's able to bring to the character. This guy isn't an introvert. This is an extroverted Joker. This is a Joker who really puts himself out in the world, and he is very socially adept and uses his presence. Jared is definitely drafting on his own abilities in that regard. Um, that sounds great. Yeah. Now, moving back to the EW stuff, uh-huh, though, uh-huh. Um, there's a lot to be said about Ayer's directing style. Will Smith said um, they were technically there were technically rehearsals, but not really. It was much more about David spending time going through everyone's lives, connecting our life experiences to our characters' life experiences, and finding those parallels. What we didn't realize was what he does in the process is he learns our buttons. We are really bonding, but David is grabbing all of your deepest emotional issues so he can throw them back in your face on set. (laughs) Um, Well done. David Ayer. Yeah, David Ayer says, acting is very lonely. I don't think people realize how much these people live out of suitcases and just show up. Uh, If you can give them a sense of connection and family and build support around them, then you get the trust. I think trust drives performance. Uh, It can't be comfortable. You've got to open up. Actors are super cagey. I'm not going to let you see any of my tools until I get to set, and then I'm going to surprise you because they are so awesome. My approach is more, no, no, let's burn through the toolbox now and start making some new tools. (laughs) Um, No, no dead shot. I watched Why Don't He Want Me. Let's do something further. <laughs> um, see, there's apparently a, uh, let's see, the the article was that uh, Joel Kinnaman, who plays Rick Flagg in the film, says the director would talk to his actors in order to learn about them, but rather than using this as a way to gain confidence from the stars, he'd use it as ammunition. Um, let's see. <laughs> it, like, it, he stored it's it, funny, it sounds like they're mm-hmm. complimenting him, but they also may be just going, that bastard yeah, yeah, like, uh, he, they say he stored it all in, the, all in his database, so at the right moment he would completely betray you. Uh, apparently, Viola Davis is, there's an instance where she's, or Amanda Waller is talking to Rick Flagg, and she starts to call him pretty vulgar names, as they say. Uh-huh. Kinnaman says that the names really did get under his skin, apparently because Ayer told her exactly what to say to get the reaction that he wanted. Like, he called it, uh, Kinnaman called it high-level direction through manipulation. I love this. I love this. <laughs> he actually did. There's like he, a supervillain directing it, them film about supervillains. Yeah, and Kenneman said he didn't want. To, he called it betrayal, but he didn't want to hold a grudge because he would totally be in another David Ayer movie. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds like they got paid a ton of money to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. 
Margot Robbie said it was a pretty vulnerable place to go. He wants to know about your personal history and your relationships and your childhood. Things like that that you don't really want to tell a stranger. Then you have to share it with the rest of your squad as well. I really didn't like that. <laughs> but she signed up for Suicide Squad too. So. Yeah. Uh, so Jared Leto was speaking to a crowd at one of his rock concerts. And he says, I can't wait for you to see Suicide Squad. They're going to lock me in a, lock me away in a box after this movie comes out. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Now, so there, there's uh, the EW article, though, has, has also said that um, it was unclear to me whether this was Jared Leto saying this or who was saying this. But they it was uh, said that his Jared Leto's Joker is less theatrical than Jack Nicholson and more unhinged than Heath Ledger, but no less psychotic. Isn't that kind of perfect, though? Maybe. I mean, that sounds like a wonderful pitch to me. Mm Mm-hmm. It also says, despite all his power, this clown prince of crime is having difficulty reuniting with true love Harley Quinn, a split that has left him agitated and, well, quite sad. Um, Leto said, as as for the role, uh, you're kind of walking upon hallowed ground, and it deserves the very best that you can do. It takes over your life, and that's what I needed to do for myself. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, um, Clay Enos, he's uh, been the photographer uh, on the uh, like the set photographer on Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, and um, he's been putting out a lot of a lot of set photos, mm-hmm. like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually showed off a uh, like a limited edition print that he made for everyone on, for all the cast members on Suicide Squad. Um, the is the bat with uh, it was like a bunch of the bat props mm-hmm. with uh the tape wrapped around and it says good night on it uh margot Rod- robbie actually says that she grabbed one of them and she keeps it by her bed <laughs> um and it says good night on it so that di- she digs that yeah she said um but enos wrote i'm always so impressed by the attention to detail and amount of work involved in making the suicide squad movie props um he put up a picture of katana with her soul sword like he's he's he, he has a, a shot of like air like laying in the middle of all those knives and, and yeah what and guns yeah. and whatnot so this shot uh, we've had it at so far like and it, and it looks like everything yeah. from like roses to ars that's a grenade launcher over there to some statues <laughs> like there's some yeah. jade fucking statues somewhere and I, I swear there's champagne on either side yeah maybe that, i'm not remembering the champagne but like at, I at hope the bottom is. i think that champagne bottle's on one side at least prosecco, mm. <laughs> prosecco. it may also just be Maltov cocktails I think those are fucking frag grenades and just yeah. There's definitely bricks of money somewhere in there. I can't hear prosecco without thinking of that Mitchell and Webb. I know, I know. (laughs) Nor should you. I like prosecco. Uh, Anyway, um, so there have been lots of rumors floating around about who Scott Eastwood is playing. By the way, I wanted to be sure you knew this just because uh, you know it was at my wedding, right? Prosecco. Ah, no, I didn't even pay attention to that. <laughs> I meant to tell you that night because you thought it would be, <laughs> you'd think it was funny. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> yeah, you, yeah, you should have told me because I would have been thinking about that with a big stupid grin on my face as opposed to standing there going, how long is this wedding? It was only like 15 minutes, guys. <laughs> but I was like, how long do I have to hold this champagne? I'm tired of standing. See, I'm fat. That's a good point. If I had told you that, you every time you thought, how long do I have to hold this Prosecco? <laughs> <laughs> to have until <laughs> yep i've made a good choice <laughs> um <laughs> no you totally should have told me 
Um, so uh, everyone's been wondering who Scott Eastwood is and Ike Barinholtz, who that person is. They haven't said. They haven't told us who that is, who those people, these people are in Suicide Squad. Uh, so there's a German film site, so take this with a grain of salt. We don't know where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. But they're saying, this is a rumor, they're saying Eastwood is playing someone named Lieutenant GQ Edwards, and Baron Holtz is playing a Captain Griggs. And there's a Captain Griggs in Wonder Woman that has, that has ties with that uh, that story in the comics. We don't know. Um, again, don't, just take that with a grain of salt, guys. Yeah, okay. But, uh... So Deborah Snyder is explaining why Jason Momoa is perfect for Aquaman. He, she says Jason is a physical presence. He's enormous, kind of scary, but at the same time he's warm and loving. And we felt like these were the characteristics Aquaman needed to have. Well, shit, I could have told you that well, just looking at yeah, the pictures. Yeah, I mean, shit. Um, Willem Dafoe is talking Justice League. Um, you know, he's playing Volko, an Atlantean politician, uh-huh. one of Aquaman's advisors. And um, so they asked him about the film and about Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Um, he says, she looks good. And then he apparently laughs and says, I don't want to talk about that. I've got so many movies to talk about. I'll let them orchestrate the publicity on that movie. I'm happy to be a part of it. And when it comes out, I'll be talking about it ad nauseum. <laughs> I shot part of it. I shot part of it. And I'll go back and shoot some more. This is a DC Comics Justice League movie, which is shooting now. Too soon to talk about. <laughs> so there's a big rumor that Colin Farrell and uh, Mikhail Hoisman from Game of Thrones, I don't know how to say that. We never do. Um, are, in ju- are in Justice League. It's coming from a random Russian Twitter site. So and I, I probably don't believe that. I, I saw that little thing. I, I saw that pop up and it was racking my brain to think of like what Colin Farrell could do. <laughs> you know what? I, I was kind of excited... I was kind of excited at the notion that he might be playing Constantine in Justice League Dark, but you know that uh, apparently fell apart. Yeah, I can so deal with whatever. that, but he, you better dye him blonde. Well, sure. Well, you say that. We say I say that like it's like oh sure why wouldn't you? But then I think about oh yeah there was Constantine. Yeah, and it was okay. weird with yeah with uh, what's his face Reeves. Uh, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah. I, the the whole time you're like why does Keanu Reeves know magic? No, you like right. make him dye his damn hair. Yeah. yeah, it was like, why do you? Like, I know kung fu. No, the line is magic. Oh, I knew, I know magic. I know magic. Keon knows magic. Oh, oh, well done. Um, <laughs> I hate making fun of that guy too. He's such a good dude. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know that he's a good dude. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> they're, they're like, I, I defy you to find media that says or any news that says he's not. Right. Every shred like of evidence that I've ever seen says good dude. I've I've never seen evidence to either like either point like I've never heard of anyone like even coming up with a notion like you know what I bet he's not a good dude it, it like I've never seen a headline that says you know Keanu Reeves not a good dude no 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 I mean and also that's a really poor way to write a headline so maybe but that's it would be why. so appropriate it would be so appropriate for Keanu Reeves it would though it would the diction there's would be a <laughs> I mean, dude gave, uh, I forget how much he gave out of his, uh, his cut of the matrix, but, uh, it, in, uh, in his description, the, the, like the visual effects team were the ones who made that movie, like who made him that money. So he just gave like this giant mm-hmm. chunk of it and like wow. he like picked off all the people and named them and like gave them giant chunks of money. Thanks guys. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. That's, um, Bill and Ted aside. Mm. Apparently they're talking about doing another one of those. Oh dear know. God! Why not? Um, Let's do another Back to the Future is, while we're uh, at it. 
Lloyd and Fox are still alive? <laughs> Fuck, why not? No, no, the Bobs say that's not going to happen. Bob Gale and... Um, now nah, I'm not going to remember his name. Yeah, half the people who made Ghostbusters worth a damn are dead, too, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the people who made Back to the Future said that they weren't... They, they actually own the rights... They're not going to actually let. Oh, it they happen. do actually own the rights. Okay, so that might mean yeah. something. This isn't Stephen Amell talking about goatees, huh? Yeah, no, no. Um, one of the best things though about the Matrix was when I was in college. We got a bunch of people together, and we had like a big projector, and we were going to watch the Matrix because you know that shit was all the rage back then. Oh, it was great. And um, I still, I'll still stand <laughs> by that movie. Yeah, sure. We were talking about two. You know, we're talking about two thousand three or so, and it was going to be like we're going to watch the Matrix in, in lieu of the thing coming out, the new one coming mm-hmm. out. And, um, for whatever reason, I don't know what was going on with the sound system, but every time, and it was only with him, every time Keanu Reeves was silently looking at something, when he wasn't talking, he would make this awful <laughs> noise. And we all just howled every time. It, I, I don't know. It was just him. It wasn't Fishburn or any, Carrion Moss, nobody. Aww. It was just him. If he was talking, it was fine. But like, he would just give this dumb look and he would go <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah that would get funny after a minute anyway yeah so anyway um <laughs> going along with more rumors charles dance of game of thrones is rumored for uh steppenwolf as the voice of steppenwolf yeah um GOT he's, people uh, everywhere yeah man people dig some got yeah. man um I don't know how to sp- say his name. Tywin Lannister, I guess, is the name of the character he's playing. Again, that's another rumor. Um, but you know who's not a rumor? Julian Lewis-Jones of Invictus. He says he is in Justice League. He says, I'm not allowed to say yet what part I play, but let's just say I have a role in what will likely be the most expensive film ever made. <laughs> <laughs> He says it was filmed at Warner Brothers Studio at Leavesden as well as at various locations around the UK and Iceland. I don't know what the most expensive film ever made would be. I guess Justice League. <laughs> I'm, you know, I have, I don't know. After the BVS letdown, even if it was an editing error, if it, if that was, you know, the real reason because of the bad reviews, because of the editing. Man, I sure hope they wouldn't make that the, mo- the Justice League the most expensive film ever made. Could you not? So we can get more? I, I mean... Can you not blow your load on this? I don't know. If Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad do as well as they look like they're going to do right now... Yeah, yeah. Of course, we haven't had a trailer two moment with either of those. I know. Well, no, we haven't. So, uh... Haven't pulled a Howard Dean. Hold on. Never mind. I thought I had to sneeze. Um, <laughs> it so... was ripe with suspense, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, was that was um, that like a meta joke about about Justice League spending way too much time on itself and not coming to anything? <laughs> I like it. So yes, there you go. Um, so there's a lot of uh, scuttlebutt. I'll call mm-hmm. it. Over who the uh, <laughs> who the the female lead in the Flash is going to be now. Uh, apparently, sources are telling Variety that uh, Fema Yua is her his top choice is is going to be uh, Kirsty Clemens, who is also the female lead in Dope. Um, but apparently, there's a rumor that there's there's a couple other people in the running. Uh, Lucy Boynton from Sing Street and Rita Ora from Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't know any of these people. Not a clue. Um, I'm assuming they haven't said, but I'm assuming it would be Iris West. Um, 
I mean, I would assume yeah. it just because know. that's the first thing you focus on after. Like, well, you've got your Barry Allen. Now let's go ahead and get Iris yeah. under control. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, that guy who I can't remember. Yes, that one. Uh, the guy, <laughs> the guy that did all the uh, the fan art. Like, this is probably what the Flash's costume will look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. He did one of Matthew McConaughey's The Reverse Flash, and I'd never heard such inspired casting in my life. <laughs> I was like, you know what? This isn't real, but aside from the, the time where we were like, hey, maybe uh, maybe Adam Strange, mm-hmm. which I still stand by firmly, mm-hmm. um, dick firmly in hand. Mm-hmm. Reverse Flash is pretty good. That's not bad. That's, yeah. So WB has uh, released <laughs> the official... Uh, writing credits for wonder woman we knew that jason fuchs was involved but apparently uh alan heinberg and jeff johns wrote the wonder woman script oh cool according to wb um so they're they gonna be there I, I i haven't seen this yet but there are gonna be articles saying they're just throwing jeff john's name on things to legitimize stuff now <laughs> guaranteed fucking tea. and they wouldn't be wrong probably i mean i i, I don't disbelieve that he wrote it I believe he's had a hand in writing all of this shit or rewriting all of this shit. Sure. Um, but apparently they have worked together before. They they wrote a uh, five-issue arc of JLA, um, and they did the relaunch of Wonder Woman together, the comic. Mm-hmm. So, holy qualified. Yeah. Um, Heinberg has also written for The O.C., Gilmore Girls, Sex in the City, and Grey's Anatomy, and Scandal and the Catch. So, um, those, those, are, some, those are some solid staying power shows, too, though. Yeah. Most of them are not my cup of tea, though. No, but I um, will admit that I... at some point I have liked half of them, and I'll leave you to guess. Mm-hmm. About five seconds of Scandal and went, that is the worst written show I've ever heard. And then later I heard uh, some Supernatural and went, that is the worst written show I've ever heard. <laughs> and then and then I was I was hanging out with you, and you were watching Grimm, and I said, that, that is the worst written show I've ever heard. the worst written show. <laughs> and it goes from there. Uh, I don't know. I could show you a couple other things I watched. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I don't know. Usually, like, if I just, if dialogue is just, it, dialogue will catch my ear. And sometimes it catches, you know, hopefully it catches me in a way where I went, where I go like, oh, my Lord, what is that? And mm-hmm. you go, it's near a wolf or something. And yeah. I go, oh, that's wonderful. That's fantastic. Or, or it'll catch me and I'm like, they just said five sentences and none of it meant a damn thing. What is happening? Right. When did Nolan get his hand on this script? <laughs> That's not even Nolan shit. It's like the like the bottom. Like Nolan, at least you could he feigns it well. Like you could. Like, I oh, know that sounds I know. good. I just that sounds like, good. And then could, when you analyze it, it doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, you you could spend whole classes, uh, uh, whole philosophy classes, not courses, mind you, but just like one one class at least could be done on several lines in Nolan films. Mm-hmm. Um. Hell, certain one-liners could can be taken and probably do like an entire epistemology class on it. <laughs> Just... mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Well, you know she agrees. <laughs> um, her name's Story, yeah, for God's sake, and I watched one. her watch Memento and <laughs> barked a lot. Why would you do that to that poor animal? <laughs> we were bored. So we're on to the television section of the show now. Woo! Hooray! 
So Constantine is online in its entirety on CW Seed, just so you guys know. Go over there and watch it if you feel like <clears throat> it, I suppose. Can I can I do something on behalf of the show? What would you like to do on behalf of the show? We did mention at some point, I think on air. Okay. That watching stuff on CW Seed was a bit thready. Uh-huh. Um, that they didn't quite have their um, stuff together as far uh-huh. like it didn't stream as well as like a Hulu or a Netflix and you know they were kind of felt like they were a few years behind. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true because I haven't gone back and watched Constantine on CWC, but I do want to say right. I, I take it all back. I don't care. And thank you. <laughs> they shot an episode in Birmingham. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or at least we they are... sent a, a B team out to Birmingham for some yeah. establishing shot, which were real. Right. I verified them. Right. That, that, uh, <laughs> it's one of the, that, uh... one of the prettiest shots of, of Birmingham I've ever seen in that show. Yeah. I think it legitimizes us. Right. We're a real town now. We're real. Um, <laughs> so a few weeks ago, we talked about how the CW was going to have all sorts of new mm-hmm. deals and stuff with mm-hmm. Netflix. Um, well, that that deal has gone through. That is so official. If you are if you are a Hulu subscriber, I don't know, go cry somewhere because things are not going to look good for you. Well, um, but I mean, however, C- CW seed it'll have it'll have the first five episodes. It'll have the last five episodes um, on CW seed. But it won't be on Hulu anymore, um, as per this new deal. Yeah. And the new deal is that um, eight days after each program season finale, uh, they will the entire season will drop. Now, that starts with shows in the 2016 to 2017 season, so that's not happening right now. It will happen after this next, you know. Like 10 months? Yeah. So, uh, that, but it's so basically, not just... in early June, you'll be able to catch up on everything if you haven't already caught it. Early June of next uh, well, year? I would think so, yeah, because since we're already out of June. Yeah, no, no, uh, you said 2016, 2017 season. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, yeah, yeah. like. Yeah. 11? So anyway, um, that will include the Frequency, No Tomorrow, Riverdale, as well as all of our DC shows that we talk about, mm-hmm. um, and Supernatural, The 100, and The Vampire Diaries. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Saying those, those names hurt. I hear better things about The 100 a, than I do the other two. There's a bitter taste in my tongue. Anyway, Supergirl Season 1. TVD. <laughs> Supergirl Season 1 is going to air on CW in its entirety before the next season starts. Um, so starting on August 1st at 8 p.m. with two episodes shown every Monday night until it Supergirl returns October 10th. Ooh, doubling up. Yeah, they are going to breeze through it. Mm, good enough to catch up on. Yeah, yeah. Um, over to Gotham. Corey Michael Smith is talking about Penguin and Riddler's relationship in Gotham Season 3. Mm-hmm. He says, we're going to have a significant amount of interaction. This is going to be a very, very important relationship in Season 3. Mm-hmm. We just got introduced to the Court of Owls at the end of Season 2, and we are becoming aware that their hand is really controlling. You know Indian Hill, Wayne Enterprises, and frankly Gotham, and we're going to be delving into that power structure and what that means. And then we're going to have some cool people like Mad Hatter. Awesome. Um, they have released first looks at Valerie Vale, Jamie Chung as, uh, as Valerie Vale. Yeah. Um, pretty standard. She's talking to Gordon on the street. She's sitting in a car. Yeah. She's wearing a plaid skirt. That's yeah. all I could really come up with to talk about it. It was kind yeah. of boring, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, it wasn't like she's wielding her flaming sword of retribution. No. It's just, right. Right. Never the happened. pen is mightier than the sword. I'm a right. reporter. A reporter. <laughs> My pen filled with goot's blood. <laughs> what the hell? I ride on the papyrus of forgotten children. 
the papyrus of forgotten children. I don't know what to do with so that. So anyway, Danny Cannon has released pictures, a whole bunch of pictures of like monsters. I don't recognize any of them, so there's that. Yeah. Um, you know, apparently Marina Baccarin is back. Yay! And you know, looking as comely as you remember her. Of and Chickless, Michael Chickless is back in suit and tie in, in his office again, uh-huh. looking as comely as he ever did. Of course, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but heck yeah! <laughs> right? Last year at this time, you were bemoaning, ardently bemoaning. <laughs> no, the not, Chickless, not Jalzy McJalzerson. No, <laughs> and the Chickless stepped up to the plate. And knocked me out of the park is what he did. And knocked you out of the park. Um, <laughs> and I was chickless no more. You were chickled. I was, I was quite chickled. I don't know. <laughs> so he's also released a picture a picture of uh, a fish Mooney dramatically in skin tied attire walking in through a couple of big double doors. Wait, it looks you, like. you, you have to pair it back. For her, it's just walking through the door. Don't, don't. Right. You can't use the word dramatically. Right. right. For her, if you if you actually used the word dramatically to describe her stuff, it would be like, she dramatically picked up her fork. Right. She dramatically switched to a spoon because she realized it was soup. She dramatically picked up <laughs> right. the fork anyway because she was being defiant. I because she's fish moody, damn it. Cheese yeah. sandwich, bitch. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, fish. Thanks, fish. We, okay. We got we got that coming for you. Do you want anything else? Gruyere? Gruyere work for you? Okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah. So Claire Foley, Claire fantastic, Foley, bitch. Claire, <laughs> Claire Foley is still returning to Gotham, by the way, um, as Ivy Pepper. She'll be, yeah. I guess, there for a small amount of time um, before the transition into Sex Pot. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's going to be a cut front and back kind of thing or what, but I don't know. Maybe they'll do something crazy and like she's there for a couple episodes, and I don't know. That uh, falls well, in. I'm assuming falls into some greenery grows up well no I'm, i've been told she has an interaction with a monster with one of these monsters that have gotten out of indian hill oh. and uh and whatever happens there makes her like age up oh. into sort of this adult sex pot type of character into poison ivy uh yeah yeah i mean generally generally that's that's the feel you get off off ivy yeah um yeah. when she's not being extremely scientific she switches right over to that and that way uma did her right, right. Gotta give her that one at least. Um, a sex pot scientist with a penchant for foliage. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, done right, anything can work. But Absolutely. I just keep thinking about Uma Thurman right now because we just did that in the Suicide Squad crossover. Blink, blink. Suicide Squadcast crossover. Squadcast crossover. Um, <laughs> you gotta get the name right. <laughs> no, you should. You should probably get that part right. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I. I, I <laughs> That's that might that might up being end up being really super weird. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling it will be. <laughs> I don't know who she runs into and at what this this cat's uh, power or deal is or whatever, but somehow right now I'm imagining like she runs into him and he touches her and she just grows. I, I don't know. Like, gr- you think there's grows just like into, just grows boobies? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Just a booby grower monster. And whatever it is they do, like. I, they, the the makeup on that girl is fantastic, and the actual the the girl who's playing her um what'd you say her name was hmm what'd you say the the little girl's name is Claire Foley thank you um she she does this 
just amazing job of of feeling like an old cat lady. Yeah, that's the thing that she's a very good actress. She's on several shows right now. Yeah, she's killing it over she there. She kind of pops up on several things, so she's killing it over there. Um, so I, I, I don't know. She already feels so damn old. Why, why do we have to age her? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going on there. Speaking of not knowing what's going on, we'll find though, out. Yeah. Well, maybe. Um, we might find <laughs> out. Jumping over to Arrow, there's so much Arrow news. Oh yeah. Um. So Stephen Amell, like this, most of this is from the Heroes and Villains Fan Fest 2016. Mm-hmm. Stephen Amell says, well, uh, it was a reported that he said they asked him if Flashpoint will affect Arrow, and he said sure. And then he and then he said you bet. And when they were like majorly, and um, I don't know, they're like they've reported by they people's choice reported that and then Stephen Amell on Facebook said actually I said sh- I sarcastically said sure and then I seriously said I have no no idea whatsoever but let's go with confirm I guess I, I mean what do you make of that it sounds like something's gonna happen it sounds like it sounds like they're gonna do they're gonna do uh something with it that was and the, I think I, I've already said this I, I I feel hesitant about any predictions for any of the CW shows right now until I know mm. what they're doing with Flashpoint I and think... it's far-ranging effects. And there's other news I know that came out this week that hints at far-ranging effects. Uh-huh. What was the other news that you heard? Barrowman. What did Barrowman said? Oh, he say? didn't say a thing. He, I... His contract got renewed not just for Arrow, but for oh, all know. of the CW shows. Oh, I know. So he's he's across the board now. I don't think that has anything to do with Flashpoint, though. I th- I, I think it at least might. Nah. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> we'll speculate on um, that in a moment. Right. So Amel talking about season five says the villain that we are introducing is a direct result of things that Oliver has done in Star City and calls back a lot of things that happened in the first season of the show. It really grounds the show and really focuses on its core value, which is the battle to save Star City. The first two episodes of season five refocuses us on what the core mission of the show should be. And that to me is very exciting. Plus Russia. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's that's why I kind of think that they're they're gonna just play Arrow like Arrow. They're yeah. just gonna ignore Flashpoint, and then like they'll probably address it when like in like the big crossover episode. They'll probably actually go and do like oh and this happened because of Flashpoint, and here's Barry, and we'll do our thing, you know. And then like next episode, back to normal reality. Yeah, I think that's what'll happen. Uh, Amel is also talking about Olicity. Um he says, I was chatting with a couple of fans earlier, and they were saying there hasn't been a lot of positivity and, reassur- and reassuring notions when it comes to Oliver and Felicity's relationship. Uh, I think that it's important to remember that relationships on the show don't have to be only defined by romance. Oliver and Felicity could have a wonderful, fulfilling, dynamic relationship and not be together, right? He was met with a wide range of boos. <laughs> <laughs> But that's how the world works, he pleaded. <laughs> and they continued um, to boo him, I'm sure. <laughs> um, to which you replied, which screw of, you, you'll watch anyway. Which, of course, at the same the same event, David Ramsey got on stage and says, we can expect death, mayhem, and Oliver and Felicity getting back together. <laughs> oh, God. Um, that wasn't all he had to say. Joggle, um, joggle, I'll call you. <laughs> Get it together. Um, he all, David Ramsey also said that in season five, you will see the Cisco recreated mask that, that Diggle's going to be wearing. Um, and in reference to Supergirl, 
Ramsey says, I want to see Diggle's expression when he sees Supergirl flying across the horizon. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, he I didn't, want to he know didn't what go that with is. the Flash at all. Well, that he too. says he's he's going to pee on himself right there. Yeah. <laughs> Cisco will, but it's going to be a happy pee. Um, so Kevin Smith was talking about uh, how he's going to be over on the Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, first week of September, he's going to be directing episode seven of season three. Good to have him back. Um, but he, he says that they he hasn't heard anything from Arrow yet, and they're asking him about Onomatopoeia, and he says, yeah, I figured out a way to do it that's kind of badass, and also connects to comics more or less. So instead of just doing the actual sound, which to me in the real world would be like the dude from Police Academy making noises with his mouth, <laughs> you'll just have... <laughs> He'll just have little cards, business cards that have typewritten words. Uh, so instead of him saying "blam," you find this card on your desk and turn around and "blam," he'd shoot you and stuff like that. Which I think is a little more chilly, you know, for doing it live action on a comic book page. Those big word balloons with a tiny word in it were just so sweet. It looks beautifully graphic. Like at the same time, it creates an image of this is weird. But I don't know if audibly making noises would ever work in the real world. So I think those cards would be badass. So you read slit and you're like slit. And then all of a sudden you turn around and he cuts your throat <laughs> and dude just cocks his head. Mike Myers, Michael Myers style and watches you go down. So yeah, I've obviously thought about it, uh, thought about it a little bit, but it would be cool to do. Hopefully, hopefully they'll tap me. That, that does not sound bad. It doesn't sound bad. I actually thought it sounded pretty cool. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Boom. What's the, you know? But he says, even if they don't tap me, maybe I could do it on Flash or Legends of Tomorrow or Supergirl. There's a couple of shows there. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, he's got plenty of places to go. He just He's just going to go hang out like near the CW offices and, and just kind of chill in his downtime. Hey, you ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. Who didn't so, show yeah. up for work today? All right, I'll take over. Yeah, uh, following in the footsteps somewhat of Wentworth Miller, as you said earlier, John Barrowman has, in fact... Uh, received serious regular status on Arrow mm-hmm. and all the other superhero shows executive produced by Greg Berlanti, including The Flash and Legends. Um, Berlanti said what it really emulates to us is the comic books themselves, where there are really are a cast of characters. Um, in success, we hope to continue with other characters finding their way across all the shows. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really cool. I don't know what it says about Flashpoint or if it says anything about Flashpoint. I think he's just going to be around. It it may mean nothing as far as Flashpoint goes. It may. I, I just think that it's such a drastic change that it, it may not. It may not be nothing. And um I mean mm-hmm. we they're they're responding in an entirely different way than we the uh, both of us I think thought they would. Because uh, we were saying at the end of uh, this season of Arrow, hey, I think this guy's story is done, right? Yeah. And they kind of went been saying that for three years. <laughs> and apparently they went, No, and I'll tell you why. We're gonna put him on every night. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, and you know. Okay, it's, but to it's be fair, fine. we've always said like we love John Barrowman. Never had a bad moment with him, but I right. think Merlin's story arc is kind of like we are we going to kill him, right? Because no. what else do you do with him? Well, and they went, you know, see, we're just going to spread him, spread him like a marmalade across all of the CW's evenings. Right. I think he'd prefer to be referred to as a jam more than a marmalade, but. Personally, I have a bit of a bias on it. I, I would just kind of rather like, can we just put Malcolm Merlin to rest? Because I really want to see him come back as Jack hmm. on Doctor Who. Yeah. So I'm kind of... You just need him to have time off, then, in general. Nah. Yeah. Well, you heard the yeah. you heard the producers over there talking about it, and you heard him mention it. And, you know, frankly, we all want it. So I'll, I'll have him come back as Bo, for damn sake. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, over to Legends of Tomorrow, Ciara Renee 
uh, recently uh, did an interview with Michael Garone, I think is the way you pronounce his name. I'm sorry, Michael, if that's the wrong way, from FanFest.com. Um, he asked, will we see the Hawk family return for Season 2 of Legends? She said, I do not think we will see them in Season 2, at least not at this point. There was a whole other bit of interview, but it didn't have anything to do with anything so that I, that we were talking about here, so moving on. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> She's an actress. She does things. She's in plays size. and shit. You know. That's what we're known to uh, known for. Sticking to the uh, point. You know what? I you know I'm not talking about some play that's not the DC universe. I mean, <laughs> if I start talking about that shit, the preacher fans are gonna get down my throat again. This is fair. no. <laughs> <laughs> and no, we're probably not covering powerless either. Although we'll want to. Really? I don't know. No, that's in the DC universe. Is it gonna we're, be? We're covering right powerless. It? Yeah, it's got Alan Tudyk. Of course, gonna be we're in covering DC it. EU. Damn it. <laughs> man, they've got Jack O'Lantern and Silver Fox, man. They, or, not Silver Fox, Crimson Fox. That's, D, that's DC Universe. Ah, damn it. All right. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and write the, what is it, July, August? I'm going to go ahead and write the two-month right. notice at my job. <laughs> no, I'm just like, like, well, sorry, Modern Family. You'll have to wait for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking out a half-hour comedies now and toss which you yeah. know what thankfully powerless i believe if i read it correctly is a mid-season replacement oh thank goodness that would be a huge load off yeah i think that's what's happening but i, I can I, continue I, making money <laughs> right Woo. i'll hack off a leg before i give up brooklyn 99 though that shows delightful i understand totally understand <laughs> um so the bat batman the killing joke has gotten huge man i mean it's it's getting a bigger theatrical release than we anticipated, than we were told. Fathom Events now saying that it was so popular, they're adding 300 more screens. That'll bring it up to 1,075 screens in the U.S. That's kind of unprecedented for yeah. an animated Batman movie. It, man, this thing was made for, for TV. So this has this is Fathom's biggest rollout ever. So um, Kind of curious. That's awesome, you guys. That's awesome. What are you curious about? How do you happen to know? I'm looking it up now, just in case. But the release. Of, I used to uh, live with Jason, and whenever he becomes curious, I start crying. Yeah, it often ends in tears. Um, Blood or tears? How many did you say? Uh, how many theaters was uh, Killing Joke? It is now 1,075. Okay. Um, Mask of the Phantasm opened in 1,506 theaters. Mm-hmm. I was kind of wondering what the comparison was on this. Mm. Well, Mask of the Phantasm was uh, was meant to be theatrical. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a different. Well, different ball slightly, game. slightly before, slightly <laughs> before, as Paul Dini has talked about. Uh, like they're just like, oh, by the way, we're gonna make it theatrical. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Wait, what? 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 Yeah. So. I mean, uh, it made six million, which is kind of very barely past its production mark. Mm-hmm. So basically, they told these guys, "Hey, you've got like this amount of money to make this film," and and then they mm-hmm. went, "Okay, great, 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 straight to DVD. We got this, no problem." And then at the last minute, they went, "Hey, we spent a ton of money marketing this film, so uh, yeah, it's gonna be in theaters. You better you better cover the cost." And they went, "Uh huh, okay, all right." So uh, I did you cover the cost of ammunition for the the suicide? Right after this inevitably fails. <laughs> Which is sad, because Mask of the Phantasm is, I think, to date, the best Batman movie that's ever been made. Oh, it's fantastic. Just fantastic. I What is the line? I didn't know I'd be happy. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't count on being happy. I didn't count on being happy. Shit. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm just gonna I cry a little. Break while. down. Yeah. Before I break down into tears over the heart wrenching disparity of Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. Um. And it's wrap up years later. Yeah. YouTube user plan making mammals. Um. <laughs> I do like the great name. title. Has uh has redrawn the Batman the Killing Joke trailer in the original graphic novel style with all the original colors. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about this with Chris White a couple of days ago. Um, in case there are some of you out there who don't know, the deluxe edition of Batman the Killing Joke graphic novel that you buy, and I'm assuming, based on the trailers, the trailers, I mean, the, the movie Batman the Killing Joke, is going, they're all, the, the colors are all altered. They're all more realistic, more subdued. Um, in some cases, not even there at all. Uh, the flashback <laughs> sequences have been reduced to graph uh, to black and white. Um, now, I'm not saying that they should go full forward with like the original coloring. And by the way, the deluxe edition was colored by Brian Boland, so you know, let's not get too you know over overzealous and bashing that. Yeah. But the original color scheme, I kind of do prefer in a lot of places. And uh, even though, like you know, going to Arkham and seeing pink doors. It's kind of a little too much, but that's fair. And it was real I weird and moody. Think the original coloring would cause seizures in some cases on film. I don't know if it caused seizures, but it'd, be, it'd, re- it'd probably look real dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of do think for the realism that you need, uh, there are certain scenes yeah. that that it looks like it would be fine, like. Uh, yeah. A couple of the jail confrontation scenes look like they'd be fine, but like when right. uh, when uh, poor Bullock, uh, no, I'm sorry, when poor uh, Gordon gets gets kind of hauled in and he's getting his welcome speech to the the uh, mm-hmm. God, this masquerade of horror. Um, Let's see in the carnival in the actual uh, in the actual like f- playground or like, not playground uh, carnival. I'll just see, go with carnival. carnival. Do it. Yeah, uh, I'm down for all those crazy color schemes because that's what I would expect to see. In a carnival, like I kind of like the the the, the uh, I don't know surreal color schemes flying around, like all the different like bright oranges and reds and purples and stuff. That's fine. Yeah, in a way. Like some of the other like once you get into the 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 carnival, you're good to go with that shit. In a way, yeah, I agree. In another way, I kind of think, eh, did you get the power reconnected at this carnival? Like how and under whose name? <laughs> because there's some serious lighting effects happening here. Ray Pan. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Yeah. Um but I mean he he clearly does get the power back on because he's like projecting huge slides of nude and just, you know, arguably molested but definitely paralyzed Barbara Gordon mm-hmm. for Jim Gordon to see. So clearly, and the roller coaster is running. So yeah. clearly something, it's something hard. Happened. It, it really is hard to choose. When you look at the back and forths on some of these, like some, mm-hmm. some of the new versions look gorgeous. And then you look at the same page and other panels on it look gorgeous, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you couldn't combine them. You have to, you have to choose. Yeah. So anyway, he, he redrew the, uh, the trailer and did it graphic novel style, the original graphic novel style. It's very interesting. Looks uh, looks pretty cool. Uh, again, you know, not sure about it. I'm not sure it could sustain an entire movie that way. Yeah. Um, speaking of not being able to sustain uh, <laughs> an entire movie, they've put out a trailer for Batman Unlimited, Mechs versus Mutants. This is these <laughs> atrocious Batman Unlimited things that they put out for children. Uh, the movie apparently involves Mr. Freeze... <laughs> 
making like a giant mutant version of Killer Croc. Yeah. And Bane, and they have like Ice Breath. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Batman and but Batman and Green Arrow have to have giant robots. It has anything to do with it being Mister Freeze that does this? Right. Right. And you know, we we have a giant Green Arrow robot and a giant Batman robot, and they're running around. I'll eventually watch it because it's DC. Yeah. It. We're gonna call this Pacific Rimming that shit. Right. Right. You know, and there's a whole line of these Batman Unlimited uh, things. I'll call them things instead of movies because they're not movies. There's something wrong here. Like children shouldn't have this. There's something off. Like Batman Unlimited, is and they a are weird, generally weird the same line. voices from the stuff that we keep like popping on and going. You gotta watch this. <laughs> it, it is, but it's weird. It's something. It's like it's here's here's what it is. This instead of actually taking animated series that they know that we're going to bitch about Mm -hmm. and like just doing crazy episodes and crazy things for the, for the sake of toys. I think they're just funneling all of that bullshit into Batman unlimited. Like, Nope. These are the things that is going to be for children. This is what children are going to watch. Yeah. Little kids are going to watch when they dig Batman. This or Lego shit, which is not shit by the way. It's pretty (laughs) phenomenal. Way better than Batman unlimited. How many toys can we shove into this, though? It, like, yeah, that may be true, though. If there's if at X amount of toys that can be shoved into something, it goes into Batman Unlimited's pile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think that's what we're dealing with here. But I thought I should mention it since uh, it is DC on screen. So at this point, um, Batman and Robin would be a Batman Unlimited edition. Um, I don't even. You know what? I've seen a fair amount of this Batman Unlimited shit. Mm-hmm. It's better than Batman and Robin. <laughs> Kinda, it actually is. Still kind of true. It actually is better than Batman and Robin. Uh, and you'll know the depth of that comment when you go listen to the episode we did with the Suicide Squadcast. See, right. I remember their whole name this right. time. Right. And you know, I wish I could clarify. I wish I could go back in time and clarify. I don't think Dark Knight Rises is a worse movie than Batman and Robin. <laughs> I just think it's a worse Batman movie than Batman and Robin. All right, leave it right there. That's your lead-in. <laughs> remember that guys yeah so yeah. you could tell so you could like quote me on twitter or whatever when you listen to the other one and i'm like no it's the worst film and i'm like oh damn it yeah no, it's, I, <laughs> you're gonna get misquoted and it's gonna be carved on your gravesite at some point right i stand by it whatever whichever version you want yeah. you guys want to quote me on i'll stand by it right. yeah they're two awful batman movies what do you want me to say <laughs> what do you want apologies I say they're both bad films. They're both awful Batman movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My lips are pursed. My hand on hip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No getting around this opinion. <laughs> That's all the news I got. I'll ask you one thing. Okay. Percentage chances. Sure. Of Constantine season two in light of some of the new uh, press. Um. Well, insofar as I could tell, the press is full of shit. Sure. Because every time I look at these articles, they're like, Constantine season two. Release date. On the way. I, like, I click on it and it's like, NBC unfairly canceled Constantine season one. Yeah. They invariably Con- admit the unfairly canceled part. I'm like, well, yeah. Even though we've gone back like, and said no fairly. Seriously. Like for NBC's numbers, they right. can't afford that shit. Like we get sure. it. Well, they can now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but they're like, they unfairly canceled the thing. And I'm like, yeah. And like, well, but uh, but then he was on Arrow, and the fans were happy. I went, yeah. 
So far, you're and like, and now was now it's all on CWC, and I'm like, that's true. And they're like, so this could mean that there's a chance for for Constantine season two, and I'm like, you sons of bitches, you said release date, you said release date. <laughs> I know. So I know. Um, I know. Yeah, I, that's why. That's why I ask percentage chances. Just a, just an off, yeah. you know, what you know now, because kind of, like there is some some ground to some of the stuff being mentioned like cwc pulling it it is connected mm-hmm. to one of their properties and um you know i don't know what the market was for constantine it, it may just be that it, there was a vacuum there and they went well i guess we can market um it may right. have just been a cheap car man uh who knows yeah it may be like um, I, I didn't see you know god knows we don't have access to like how much it, it was on hulu for a while i know uh i don't know if it ever made it to netflix in any capacity um no i don't think so and yeah, I don't know if it was available anywhere else to, to actually get any uh, momentum. So, mm-hmm. if anything, it looks like there may not have been much of a market for it. And CWC grabbed it because, what the fuck, why not? It was connected I... to one of their properties anyway. And, you know what? Mm-hmm. Let's see how far this goes. So, it may be a Young Justice kind of thing where they're going, dude, let's see Let's see if anyone watches. Yeah, and I think they should. Go watch Constantine. And that, Yeah, and if, if because, look, any of that is correct... What could it possibly hurt to go watch Constantine? All right, so what I'm suggesting is every day, every day, you leave uh, for work, and one day, just you, you, you throw on Young Justice on Netflix and just hit autoplay. Like, let autoplay do the work for you. Right. Day and two. And it will for three episodes yeah. before it says, are you really start, still watching Netflix? And you go, no. Because no, you're not there. Yeah. And you'll come back and hit play again, but uh, you do that on day three. On even-numbered uh-huh. days, you're going to play Constantine. I don't know if CWC has an <laughs> autoplay auction, uh, option, but at least one episode at a time we can get there. No, on CWC, as I recall, it was called Auto Glitch. Auto Glitch. Um. Damn it, I took that back earlier. <laughs> I managed to describe how bad it was on the way to taking it back, <laughs> which makes my apology a piece of shit, but I did it. I said as I remember. I haven't watched that shit in a while, but... It's been like a yeah. year now since Vixen came out, yeah. Yeah, since I... Which is like four years in technology. You know, I call that roughing it. When you're trying to get through six minutes of content on CWC and you're like, I want to die. You buffered three times. Yeah. Shit, I'm doing uh, it again. Yeah, I know. So anyway... You're an enabler. Sorry. Sorry, I know. So <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs> Look, guys, if you guys like, we're actually sitting here trying power, to encourage people to do this. Yeah, if you guys power God, through, <laughs> <laughs> if you guys power through watching Constantine on CWC or, or just or, somehow playing again, it, we just said we haven't watched it in like a year. It may be right. amazing. It may be better than Hulu right. Netflix. For God's sake, I yeah, hope that's true. I have no idea. I'm gonna go back and watch but, it anyway because I haven't watched Constantine. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah, I know. I know. My girlfriend watches stuff on CWC. She seems to be okay with it. Okay, maybe we yeah. just have shitty internet. Maybe we just have right. shitty. No, internet. that's not true. I don't think it is either. I have pretty good internet. <laughs> I don't. It does me pretty well. I don't. I I don't ensure that much in my life is <laughs> of of stalwart working. Uh, I don't know. What, I don't know what I was saying. Um, I don't make sure that much of my life is of. Uh, of anything of quality good. like i don't know of quality, of quality. Yeah. that's what that's the word i was looking yeah. for quality it's been a long day guys D- day guys um <laughs> case in point <laughs> but internet day's night man <laughs> but internet the internet's good that shit's on fleek yeah there you go there you yeah go. i can remember the the stupid ways to say things right anywho 
Um, yeah, because look, I think, you know, if nothing else, it's streaming on CWC is going to be one of the deciding factors on whether or not they actually make it into a DVD release or a Blu-ray release. Yeah. Which I would like. I like physical media. I like to see it on my shelf. I'd like to see this. It makes I, me like, happy. There's got to be some deleted scenes, some extra stuff. I'd like to see all that stuff. Um, yeah. So I love all that. Uh, it actually will be encouraged. I've never looked. Is there not a DVD release of Constantine? Not that I can, I can find, no. Okay. Um, if they release one soon, that would be considered a good sign. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's being pushed through at the moment, because that, mm. that's another one of those things. It's a litmus test to, to, to see like how many people snap it up. Mm-hmm. And if enough people do, they go, eh, okay, I guess we'll, we'll talk about this here. I, and I think enough people are talking about it anyway that it's, mm, it's, it's in the conversation at CW. Mm. Who, at this point, is considering changing their name to DCW. They should. Yeah. It would make me happy. Oh yeah. It would make me happy. They should, no, they should they should <laughs> they should just do uh yeah, they should just call it DC T V and then be like tagline CW Rebirth. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we'll what you know, we, we should uh we should, you know, send in a bunch of unsolicited emails suggesting they change the name of the network to DC on screen. Or GJ. No, DC on screen. <laughs> we could not hope for anything better. Oh, we we couldn't. We couldn't. Or GJ. Yeah, it works. Jeff Johns. The Jeff Johns Network. The Jeff Johns Network. Come on, Fox. Cancel Gotham so it can go to CW where it deserves. Yeah, seriously. Where it deserves? Where it belongs. What is wrong with me? Why can't I speak tonight? No, wait. (laughs) Deserves can be a good thing. (sighs) You know, you can deserve a promotion. And whatnot. (laughs) Like, come on, Fox. Cancel Gotham so it can go over to CW. Come on, Fox. Cancel Lucifer. <laughs> no, you want it to make it. You want them to make it a Saturday night show, so they can just uh, fucking go off the off the chain. And who the hell cares what happens here? Saturday night at ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. Take Lucifer, rename it Lucifer and Sandman's Adventures, and oh. see what happens. Oh, shut up! <laughs> just, no one, no one is allowed to look until it airs. No one. Don't don't feed me the notion for that dream. Mm-hmm. You hear that dream? I call upon the endless. Right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we've wandered well into screwing around now. This is the batweenest portion of the seg. Oh, sorry, of the segment of the show. What is wrong? Oh my gosh, I'm gone. I'm gone. You got anything else? Nope. <laughs> All right, we're guys, gonna euthanize uh, this stay- episode. <laughs> it is the uh, time. This episode keeps crying. There's some pain, and we just won't pull the cord. Signing that DNR. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to DC On Screen this week. Um, We have no more news for you. And that makes me sad (laughs) because it means we had no more news minutes ago, but we managed anyway to to keep talking. I know. Anyhow, that's what we do here. Keep talking. (laughs) We keep talking. Uh, we are DC on screen. You can find every episode on DC on You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. Um, we are proud members of the giant size team up network, giant size team Uh, remember to go check out our buddy, Scott Madison on the next time podcast. Um, and our friend Steve West and Jacob Raspberry over on Screen Explosion. Those cats are awesome. And remember to go check out Suicide Squadcast and subscribe to that shit because they're totally gonna do like part one of that Batman and Robin crossover. We're gonna do part two. And it could whatnot, already so be around. It could already have happened. Time travel. 
That was ridiculous. I just like the way you said it. Sorry. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna stop giggling. Okay, so until <laughs> until next time, guys. Keep some DC on your screen. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Look around you. That car you're driving. That house your family lives in. Making your daughter laugh. Inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive. Teaching him he can be anything. All you. And your dreams for tomorrow. You'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen. They are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance. Protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.